From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back, everyone, to The Dairy Show. I am once again your host, Katie Schmidt. And joining this week, all the way from the Netherlands, is the 2020 International Person of the Year, Mr. Wynan Pan. Welcome to the show, Mr. Pan. Thank you for inviting me. So normally, the first thing that I have guests do is introduce themselves in about a minute or two. And after reading your nomination form, something tells me that a minute or two won't do your story justice. So I want to kind of walk through your career together. And we're going to start way at the beginning, which I believe is on a dairy farm or two. So if you want to take the mic from here. Yeah, so the beginning is, so my, my family is from the 1800s, a trading uh, family. We were very active in trades and always very independent people. But uh, I can't find in the history of my pedigree farmers. So I was, the, as a boy, I said, I want to become a forester. So I always was interested in nature. And uh, at 18 years old, having played often with farm kids, I said, I want to become a farmer. And uh, from that time on, I concentrated on uh, going to an agricultural college and working at farms. And uh, so, and my father allowed me to buy a farm. So I was very fortunate. That, that I could uh, look for the farm uh, where I wanted to live with my wife at that time. And uh, that's the, the farm where uh, you, interview, uh, you are interviewing me. So I'm still at, at the same place. From uh, I was 23 years old. And at that time, I became a farmer. So very young. And I was uh, more interested in uh, dairy than in arable side. So the beginning, we had uh, 20 cows here. Then my neighbor came for sale, and I bought that farm. And he had 20 cows. And uh, in 1970, we were building one of the first big free stalls in the Netherlands for 300 cows. So at what point does the genetics start to play into this? Because for our, our listeners, we're going to get to this eventually, but Mr. Pond has uh, a very prominent role in Uris and genetics, but where does Holstein Genetics come into this whole story? Yeah, so, so I, I, I was uh, interested in the breeding side. And I concentrated in the Netherlands. And the, most, uh, uh, the best dairy animals in the Netherlands were in the western part. In the part where uh, between 1880 and 1920, the U.S. Uh, bought their cows. And they uh, uh, were breeding those Frisian cows into Holsteins. More dairy, taller, and so on. And I saw the first results of crossbred cows in Germany and Switzerland in the late 60s, early 70s. I think the next phase or the next really milestone that happens is this 1971 trip to World Dairy Expo, or at least everyone involved in your nomination mentions it. So I, I have this gut instinct that maybe it might be incredibly important to your story. Uh, that's uh, absolutely true. I was invited as uh, the youngest, youngest uh, 
participant in uh, a group of Dutch herdbook uh, specialists and top breeders of the Netherlands who wanted to see how they could turn around the world opinion that they should use Dutch genetics instead of American genetics. Because at that time, the world was turning uh, back to the Dutch breed and went for the Holsteins. And uh, that group uh, came back to the Netherlands after that trip, uh, probably 70% uh, convinced that they could turn it around uh, with breeding with Dutch bulls the way they should and uh, beating the whole scenes. And because of my background, I had no preference. I was at an open mind. I saw that uh, the whole scenes were far ahead and I should uh, join that line and make, make, make a success of it and uh, promote them in, in Europe. Okay, so at what point did you end up bringing those genetics into the Netherlands and I believe into your herd too? So I, I started the, the, uh, buying animals in Germany with Holstein blood because we were not allowed to, for veterinarian reasons to import semen. And even the herd book refused uh, to uh, register the Holstein uh, calves of American bulls at that time. And uh, that turned around in uh, 1974. That was the time they allowed us to uh, import semen. And that was uh, also the time that I signed the contract to represent the Canadian industry in the Netherlands uh, with CMEX. CMEX was just formed in 1974, and I was their first representative in the world. Wow, what a role to play. So how much, or what did that look like back then? If you were just starting off, how were you connecting with farmers? What was the sales pitch of the 1974 genetics in the Netherlands? The sales pitch was uh, more milk, better others, and uh, cows that uh, would uh, last longer because of that. There was a lot, lot of opposition, so it wasn't easy to, uh, to turn them around. So that took uh, almost five years before uh, we, I had fertile ground uh, to seed my words. So it's a good thing you had the dairy farm still to, to milk cows and support yourself, basically. Yeah, so it was, uh, I, I milked cows from uh, uh, 66 till 71 myself. And uh, then I, uh, uh, in, in the early 70s, I started to trade in animals and semen. And uh, so I had a farm manager who had to do the work and I could uh, go out and do uh, the dealing and wheeling and, uh, and go to North America more often to see uh, what was happening over there. Sure. Do you remember what some of those or who some of those herds were that you were visiting on those trips to North America? No, not, not really, because uh, uh, I, I have to look up my books. I, I, I get notebooks of every day I was visiting farms, so I can tell you exactly when I uh, look up in the books. But uh, we were uh, 
yeah, uh, we were visiting five farms a day. And, uh, and uh, the trip to uh, uh, America was uh, the, the expo. And uh, the white cow became a champion in, in 71. And uh, it was a great experience to see such a beautiful cows over there. Uh, but uh, yeah, more important is uh, what do you see on the on the farms? Right. So in your wheeling and dealing, you started a business, I believe, called Alta Pawn, and eventually that merges with Alta Genetics. What is what does that business look like, or how does that come to be? Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, that's that's also a long story. But Alta Pawn was a joint venture with uh, Western Breeders and Coupon Holding. And uh, so I set up their uh, bull proving program in the Netherlands. And we, uh, we, we wanted to become a, a private company beside all the co-ops that were running uh, the day business. And we are Mr. Doug Blair, my friend from uh, Canada, and myself. We were the uh, the private entrepreneurs within the co-op industry in Canada. Okay, so why did you why did you go down that road? Why try to privatize in a co-op world? What was the reason behind that? The reason behind it is what, because I was asking to become a partner within Siemens, and they said, "Okay, it's it, uh, why don't you want more?" As always in life, in my life, I want more. And I was uh, asking to become a partner and they refused that. And said, okay, when you want to, I'm not satisfied uh, representing us, then uh, we cancel your contract. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I gave a party to the whole industry in Canada, in the Netherlands. And we, uh, we were celebrating the good years together. And uh, I went my way, and my way was uh, direction to uh, my friend Doug Blair and become a partner in Western Breeders and later on in Alta. And later on, I had the chance to buy that company. And there it went. <laughs> and there it went. You make it sound so simple. Yeah, but uh, you understand it's never simple. But <laughs> that, 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 that's. I'm just talking about the results and I'm uh, talking about uh, being a lucky guy that uh, we have been successful and did the right things that attracted uh, customers and they joined us and we could grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what year is this all happening in or what's the time frame that AltaPon and Alta Genetics are, are coming to be or merging together? That is uh, uh, 1990s, we are talking about. So that's uh, a good 30 years ago. Then I believe the next piece that comes into the business is Valley Egg Software and the data side of dairy, or at least that's what my, my notes are telling me. So why make that acquisition or how does that better the, the Alta family or the Copan holding family? Yeah, so we, we, we are uh, uh, 
uh, talking about Mr. Eicher and Mr. Jamison, who were the, the founders of uh, Valiac Software. And uh, they had those great ideas that we need uh, more support uh, in that side as, as farmers. And uh, they uh, established Gary Compass Geo 5. And Gary Compass Geo 5 was really, really successful, especially in the States. And uh, so when uh, that company, uh, uh, when they were looking for investors, uh, we were very interested in it. And I was very interested in it. So we were very fortunate that we could uh, buy that company. And uh, I see a great future for Valiac Software because uh, this is what we all need. We need our data, we need our support, our daily support, not only for, uh, for our cows, but also for all the supplies that come to the farm and so on. And that all can be given by uh, a company like Valley uh, Software. Yeah, and we're going to talk to those gentlemen on the podcast on a different episode because they're also being recognized this year by Expo, but as our industry people of the year. Yeah, they fully deserve that because they are great people. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about their story and background as well. But I think then the next piece that happens in the business realm is the acquisition or merge of Cooperative Resources International, which ironically is back to the co-op world that you left behind all those years ago. So how does that come to be or why, why that? Because I, I feel uh, uh, there will be only a few companies left who can invest in programs uh, like uh, breeding programs and uh, programs like Philiad. Uh, Valiant software, uh, so that they can uh, bring the products the dairy farmers need and support them and uh, work worldwide. Uh, there will be a few companies left, and one of them uh, will be yours. And uh, US is uh, uh, formed uh, from. Uh, the, yeah, the coupon holding uh, with Alta Genetics and CRI. And CRI uh, is, uh, we found each other and we uh, straight away, we, uh, we had a good click and trust, they trust each other. And that is uh, the basic, basic uh, yeah, without that, you never can have a successful merger. And you have to bring things uh, that bring you together. And that is uh, the scale we need. And we both realized that, that we needed uh, more scale to be uh, one of the survivors in the industry. And uh, for that reason, uh, I'm very happy and grateful and uh, have many friends within the co-op world and especially uh, with uh, CRI. What is the goal now of URIS, or where where do you all go next from here? The, our, our goal is uh, to support uh, our clients and co-op members uh, in their 
struggle for life and uh, and make uh, their farming uh, successful so that they can uh, give over their farms to the next generations and uh, nothing more or less just support them and uh, bring the best uh, to them what they need maybe we should take a step back and i'm gonna have you mr pond briefly describe Eurus in your words what what is Eurus? uh Eurus is uh, a, a name that overviews two ai studs and all their supporting companies and that is uh, for every dairy farmer in the world it can be the best choice for their future that's yours and that has yours yours to be and we have to grow into that role when we are not there because you are never there it's a, a, an ever-changing world but also an ever-changing company and yours uh, will be that and we uh, as yours we are certainly always focused to customers and clients and uh, co-op members, especially right now in the States, but probably uh, other co-ops in the world will, jo- will join uh, yours in the future. Outside of the business, you've also been extremely involved in nonprofit work. And I, I think it's kind of fun that you mentioned at the beginning of this that forestry was your original interest, because I'm guessing that's what played into your nonprofit work. But can you share with listeners what those programs are or what the, the the good you are striving to do in the world through those nonprofits? Yeah, so uh, what I can tell you is that uh, uh, I have a foundation and uh, you, you know my age. And uh, my age is 70, 70 years old. And uh, so when I was uh, 10 years ago, I started this uh, foundation. And I thought, okay, I have to give uh, something back to the world. And uh, that foundation's name is uh, Common. And the first two letters of Common stand for cows. And the last two is Pong. And it all is Common. Let's go for it. And uh, that's my foundation. And my foundation uh, stands for that we can't take more from the world than the world gives us back. So we have to be neutral. And we haven't been neutral the last 200 years, uh, I can tell you. We were uh, eating the world. And we uh, we have to change that, and that is uh, what we like to do with our Common Foundation. So, are you focused on any area particularly, or is the Come On Foundation a, a global entity? It's uh, we work uh, globally, but we work with. Uh, uh, organizations that have a proven record. And what we do is looking for conservation and restoration of the earth. And 
Yeah, I, we, we can talk about this uh, for hours, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, what, what, what we, uh, uh, we, we work with, uh, for instance, uh, uh, a company called uh, Common Land, and they do uh, landscape restoration, and uh, they have a, a big project in Spain, they have a big project in Africa, they have a, a project in Asia, uh, they uh, so, and that is degraded land bringing back to life. That's what we try to do, and we do that with uh, with locals always, and we do that with uh, four returns ID, and the first return is inspiration. So we have to start with the inspiration of the people, and then we work with. Uh, an organization that's well established and that's Peace Parks, that's in Southern Africa. And in uh, with Peace Parks, we do cross-border uh, national parks. And that's the biggest organization in the world uh, in that field. They have two and a half million acres they look after. And uh, we do especially around parks, we do community farming projects. And uh, because uh, people around parks and in parks, they need to have a living and they need to have their food. And they will uh, be uh, uh, poachers. If, if you don't give them uh, something to eat or, or work. And for that reason, we work with uh, One Acre Fund. And that's, uh, so that's not ours, but we just support companies that are doing the right things and we do things beside of them. And uh, okay, I, I can continue uh, what we are doing, but you have an idea in what field and always has to do with soil and with growing and with planting and with animals. You've done a lot in your in your career and in your life, Mr. Pond, and we've talked only about some of it today. But at the end, when you're remembered for what you have accomplished or what you've contributed, what is it that you hope you're remembered for? Yeah, yeah th this was a difficult question, and I thought uh, deeply about it. And uh, what I want to be remembered of is that I always had new ideas and an open mind and kept the world and the future generations in my mind with everything what I did. That's probably what I uh, will be like to be. Uh, to to remembered, but uh, it's um, yeah. I I, I will I want to be remembered uh, as uh, an active person to my last breath. So I never want to, to stop or to give up. I want to go on as long as I like. I live with uh, all the fantastic things. Uh, what, what gives me lots of energy where I'm busy with and uh, 
and give that uh, over to the next generation, hopefully in a better state than uh, when I received it. And speaking of the next generation, what's the best advice that you received during your career that you would offer on to that next generation? Be positive and never be average. Do you want to expand on that at all? Or is it, we're going to keep it nice and simple? No, that's it. That's it. Okay. I think that's fair. So the, the last thing that we need to talk about today is this award that you're getting from World Dairy Expo as the 2020 International Person of the Year, uh, which will be presented on Wednesday of the 2021 show. What does it mean to you to receive that honor or to be recognized in this way? Yeah, I feel very uh, grateful and very honored. And uh, this uh, will give me extra energy and motivation for my work to support the dairy industry. We are so honored at Expo to be able to recognize you, Mr. Pond, as our International Person of the Year. It's been a privilege to get to know you through the nomination process, but also through this interview. So thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you this fall at Expo. Uh, I uh, certainly hope to be there, and uh, uh, I'm so uh, happy that uh, I have uh, had my first uh, two vaccinations, so I feel free to come. Thank you for this interview. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you. 